0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting metropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City welcome to pets in the city life in the urban jungle join host diane west as she explores the exciting lives loves and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city pets in the city like the city itself has something for everyone celebrity pet sightings pet events and news and reviews with the hottest movers shakers and tail waggers in new york So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane
1: West.
2: Hello, all you cyber cats, kittens, canines, and critters under all creation. This is Diane West, your host, Pets in the City, coming at you from the greatest city in the world, New York City, of course, with another episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. How are you? I hope if you're tuning in today, that you are ready to come on down. We'll be right back. This is
1: Bay parkbound, six local trains.
0: All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the city will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere.
3: Stand clear of the closing doors, please.
1: Spills, pet messes, and dirt are unavoidable but the stains and odors they cause are not. SpotShot Instant Carpet Stain and Odor Eliminators, non-toxic, environmentally friendly, and biodegradable formula, safely and permanently eliminates the toughest carpet spills and stains, even pet messes. Approved by the Carpet and Rug Institute, SpotShot neutralizes odors with powerful dual odor eliminators and utilizes an anti-resoiling agent to protect carpets from future stains. SpotShot products can be found at Walmart, Petco, Lowe's, and your local grocery retailer. For more information, visit SpotShot.com.
4: When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take Me Home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. try
2: saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? Now, unless you have been living under a rock for the past, oh, 35 years, or for our listeners of a certain age, uh, let's make that 50 years, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Our guest today is Bob Barker, the one, the only Bob Barker from The Price is Right and Truth or Consequences, and any number of other famous shows that you can think of, Bob and I sat down to my absolute thrill and had an exclusive interview, mostly talking about his retirement, (laughs) if you could call it that. I think he's busier now than he was before. Writing books, traveling the country, and talking to people about one of the uh, subjects that's very dear to his heart, spaying and neutering our pets to cut down on the pet population and really in essence save lives before they're even created his book is called priceless memories it's coming out in april he wrote it with help from digby deal and it's coming from center street press and again it's coming out in april and i spoke with bob he talked about his book he talked about his life and we had a great conversation sit down and come listen with us Bob, I gotta say, it's hard for me to call you Bob. I feel like I want to call you Mr. Barker because I grew up with you. Oh no, call me Bob. Okay, (laughs) because Bob, I grew up with you. I mean, I'm I'm sure. Well, good
3: for you. If you've been watching my television shows, you're a lady of good taste.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, either that, or I'm just attracted to your voice. But speaking of your voice, you actually—I was reading your book. You actually got your start in radio, also, right?
3: That's right. But when I started. there was no television. I got my first job in a radio station in uh, April of 1946.
2: Wow. And now from there, I mean, one of the things that really struck me about your book is it almost, the way you have it written is fascinating. It almost seems like one puzzle piece fit into the other. So from the radio show that you were doing, the legendary Ralph Edwards had heard you, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Well, I started, though, in, uh, I was still in college. I started in a station in Springfield, Missouri, and Mm -hmm. eventually I ended up in Hollywood, and uh, I was doing some radio shows. My wife was producing them, and I was hosting them for the Southern California Edison Company. Mm -hmm. The Southern Mm -hmm. California Edison Company provides electricity for everything outside of all of the communities outside of and surrounding Los Angeles. And um, they have auditoriums in their uh, offices all over Southern California. And we did radio shows from these uh, auditoriums in their uh, offices. And uh, Ralph Edwards, he had sold Truth or Consequences to NBC as a daytime show. And he was auditioning hosts in New York and he was auditioning hosts in Hollywood but he hadn't found just the one he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he turned on my radio show quite by chance, and he liked the way I worked, so he called me, and after a series of auditions on December 21st, 1956, at five minutes past 12 noon, he <laughs> called me and told me that I was to be the host of Truth or Consequences.
2: Bobby. Do you know these dates and times off the top of your head, or, or do you have notes in front of you? I have to ask you that.
3: Well, that particular date I shall never forget, because that <laughs> was, that is, and that shall always be the most important call in my professional life. It changed mm-hmm. everything for me. It was my first national show. It was television instead of radio it was all of the things that Dorothy Joe, my wife and I, had worked for.
2: It really is a great story. Another thing about your book I, I just wanted to let people know about is that it's very much a love story. I mean, you know, the passages you write about your life with Dorothy Joe are I mean are just, you know, breathtaking. And maybe it's a love story between you and Dorothy Joe, your love for your mom, your love for the towns that you grew up in. I mean, would you say that's a fair thing to say?
3: I think that it is not only a fair thing to say, Diane, I think you're absolutely accurate. Uh, members of my family have said it's a love story, but uh, to have you say so, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased because I certainly did love Dorothy Joe, and I'm glad it comes out in the book.
2: It really does. I mean, thank you. I take that as a compliment of highest praise. But the first thing that struck me, I said, this is a love story. This is Mr. – sorry, not Mr. Barker, Bob's love for Dorothy Joe, and his towns that he's grew up in from, you know, Springfield, Missouri to South Dakota and obviously your love of animals as well, which we'll get to in a second. And I'm not going to give it away, but one of my favorite parts of the book was how you and your wife – I mean, she rests in peace – had candlelight dinners for 37 years of your marriage? <laughs> That's right. That's You're pulling right. my leg. You're pulling uh, my leg.
3: No, I'm not. If we just had a sandwich in the evening, we had it by candlelight after that first candlelight dinner. That's right.
2: Wow. <laughs> I'm glad but, uh, you enjoyed okay.
3: that.
2: I think your next book should be like on marriage advice and stuff.
3: Well, my advice on marriage can be summed up in very few words, and uh, and that is, to always have respect for each other. And Dorothy Jo and I did. And I think that is the basis of everything in marriage. You can overcome all of the ob- obstacles so long as you maintain respect for each other.
2: And it sounds like a healthy dose of humor as well. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I, uh,
3: I've i said that it's a happy book. I've been asked mm-hmm. what kind of a book it is. I say it's a happy book. And uh, it had to be because... I did happy-type shows, and I'm basically a happy guy, so I have written a, a happy book, and I hope it makes people smile and hopefully, maybe on occasion, laugh out loud.
2: Now, you are a happy guy, as you say, and I, I think all of us who've watched you throughout your prestigious and endearing career would say that. But I'm going to ask you something. I'm wondering, when I was reading in between the lines, was Dorothy Joe trying to tell us a little bit about another side of Bob Barker that we don't know? Because she, I think, was there one part that she said, um, the reason why you guys are married so long is because uh, she, she she loved you and you love you or something?
3: She told that, she told a writer in an interview. She, he asked her how we'd stayed married so long in a place like Hollywood, where people uh-huh. have two, three, four marriages. And she said, "Well, she said our marriage is based on love. Uh-huh. I love Barker, and Barker loves Barker." <laughs>
2: Well, that's okay. I, is she trying to tell us something about you there?
3: Well, I don't, I don't know that I love myself, but <laughs> I've I've always enjoyed talking about myself, <laughs> so I enjoyed writing this book because I was writing about myself.
2: <laughs> I guess in your line of work, you'd have to. I mean, someone who can remain excited about an auditorium of people screaming no that's a dollar 39 i mean you have to have some kind of sense of humor about that you have to i would imagine
3: listen you not only have to have a sense of humor to get through prices right you have to have a sense of humor i think to get through life
2: Absolutely.
3: Particularly when you reach your golden years, which I have.
2: (laughs) You know what? And most people I talk to who enjoy their life, they say because they look at their life as if they enjoy it. So, I mean, I think you have a lot of wisdom there. All right. So now we're going to take some of that tenacity that Ger- Dorothy Joe spoke about <laughs> and um, also you spoke very fondly about your mom as well Tilly and her love for animals so talk about some of the things that kind of punctuated your work with animals. Obviously we all know about the big boycott you made for lack of a better term with the furs and Miss America if you had to do that again would you do it differently or are you satisfied no, with the No animal?
3: I did I, I did exactly the right thing it wasn't Miss America, it was Miss Universe and Miss Miss Universe, USA I, forgive me, I'm sorry. And <laughs> Miss USA. I did Miss USA and Miss Universe both of them. I did exactly the right thing. And I might add uh, the fur flap. That's what they that was what the press called it, what the media called it. And uh, that was the best uh, that that whole fur flap episode was the best thing that ever happened to the anti-fur campaign. It was on the front page of newspapers all over the country. It was on national television and on radio. And many, many people who had never stopped to think about the cruelty to animals and the production of fur became aware and started thinking about it. And I might add, immediately following that, I don't say this was the whole reason because uh, a lot of people have worked in the anti-fur campaign for years, but uh, after that fur flap uh, sales went down, 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 and they've never recovered. It's no longer chic to wear fur.
2: Wow. I know they had a big thing about that at Fashion Week here in New York a, a lot. There's Great. a lot of people that boycott some of the shows because they use fur. So you said something interesting, in your a number of things interesting in your book, but there was one that really struck me. And it said, here you go, people love their own cats and dogs, but when it comes to awareness, most people just have no conception of the animal cruelty problems that exist in this country. That that kind of sounds like what you were raising awareness with the fur.
3: That's right. Americans love uh, animals. I I think that uh, uh, I've read that uh, 70% of the homes in the United States have at least one pet, and they love their animals but they love their animals they don't necessarily aren't necessarily concerned about other animals and mm-hmm. that's why it is so important to make people who love animals aware of how so many animals are exploited and mistreated not only in our country but all over the world
2: Now, you've had some strong words to say about uh, vivisection as well. Now, I know that's a really controversial topic because some people that otherwise really do love animals will at least concede, well, you know, look, it's a necessary evil that we experiment on them. But you're not having any of that.
3: No, I'm not. And uh, there are doctors who are not. More Mm -hmm. and more doctors, medical doctors, are coming out of the closet and criticizing vivisection. I read Mm -hmm. one doctor who said the... Cure for cancer could well be hidden under the dead bodies of animals. What mm-hmm. he's saying is that they've spent millions of dollars butchering animals, finding, trying to find a cure for cancer, and we still have cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's true of of so many things. In fact, animal experiments have actually impeded some advances, and uh, there are, are fewer and fewer animals, I think, used in vivisection. There are so many technical advances that they're not required, and I think the animal rights movement has had a, an effect. I, I think that uh, we have uh, cut into it, not to...
2: <laughs> no pun we intended. Have, we have cut into
3: the cutting. <laughs>
2: yes, cut into the cutting. <laughs> right. Now, again, you know, also just along the lines of cruelty, um, do you think justice was served with the infamous Michael Vick case? Oh, you that know, was Dog
3: horrific. fighting. You know, uh, there is so much dog fighting going on every place, and people don't know about it. It's uh, completely uh, undercover, and um, that situation with Vic was uh, was horrible, and it, those poor animals suffered terribly. But it was very valuable because I understand that more and more dog fighting uh, groups are being investigated now, and that the. Uh, law enforcement is getting into it more deeply than ever before and uh, the vic thing was sort of like my fur flap for the fur industry it was much the same for the uh, for dog fighting because it put dog fighting on the front pages of newspapers and many people who didn't realize how much dog fighting there is or how terrible it is have come to terms with it now
2: I think your point is well taken because I mean it just sounds so I don't know like barbaric like you know like cockfighting barbaric. And, you know. it's, and actually, some of the activists that I speak to here in New York because sadly enough, we do have pockets of you know dogfighting strongholds. Oh, here. There's a lot it, of dogfighting in New York. We do, and a lot of people don't because it's very clandestine activity, and it's some going of the, on next
3: door to some people who don't know it.
2: It's true, and it's a really naughty problem because one of the law enforcement people I was speaking to said, you know the reason why we're paying more attention to it is also because it doesn't stop there i mean there's drugs involved there's you know violence involved people are afraid right. to live in their right. neighborhood You know, I mean, who wants to live next to somebody who does that? That's crazy. Now, do you see what I mean about how he sort of retired? (laughs) My God, I hope when I'm half his age, actually, I'm probably about half his age. You didn't hear that. I have half as much of his energy. He is really something. We'll be right back and talk with him some more, particularly about his efforts uh, that he now has time to, to devote more time to with spaying and neutering and uh, other animal welfare subjects in general. This
0: is Pelham Bay Parkbound, six local
2: trains. All right,
0: this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand
3: clear of the clothes.
1: Flight 291 is now boarding. All passengers, please proceed to gate 4. And who's this traveling with us today? This is Bailey. She's never flown Midwest Airlines before. Hi, Bailey. (coughs) She'll be fine. We take special care of our traveling pets. In fact, our premier pet program was created by an employee and dog lover who believes that pets should be handled as precious cargo. And they are. Oh, and they earn travel rewards too. Oh, good. Thanks for flying Midwest Airlines, Bailey. Enjoy your flight. Visit MidwestAirlines.com.
4: Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggie's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So, get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend, and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Only on (laughs) PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane?
2: You know, Bob is obviously, as you can tell, one of the type of people you could probably sit and have a few drinks and talk to all day. But alas, we do not have all day. What is up next for Bob? All right. Now, obviously, we are going to talk about spay and neuter. Now, you have the Dorothy, Joe and Matilda Foundation that. For a spay and neuter, tell us a little bit about that. Well,
3: I uh, established the D J and T Foundation. It's named in memory of my wife Dorothy Joe, and my mother, whose name was Matilda, but everyone called her Tilly.
2: Tilly, mm-hmm.
3: and, and we uh, subsidize spay and neuters all over the United States. Uh, well, we give two types of grants. One is a, uh, a grant for spay and neuters, and the other is a grant for uh, equipment or uh, anything, maybe uh, pave a parking lot or build awnings or whatever for clinics. We have a SNAP, a spay-neuter assistance programs grant, and we have a clinic grant, and we give uh, both types. And we are now um, working with uh, uh, organizations. We do it all through organizations, local organizations, in every state in the union and many states, um, multiple organizations. And, a, and an organization can get a grant and use it up and get another grant and keep, keep their spay and neuter program going. That, that's the only answer to the terrible, tragic problem of overpopulation, animal overpopulation. The, the only solution is spay and neuter. There are just too many cats and dogs being born for all of them to have homes. There are people all over the United States devoting their time, their energy, and their money to trying to find homes for all of these cats and dogs, and these people are doomed to disappointment because the homes don't exist. And Mm -hmm. so the only answer is spay-neuter, and that's why I've concentrated on that.
2: In your book, you had some, this is one of the things you said, and you write very extensively about this and your thoughts and, and work in this area. One of the things that struck me, you say if you trace the opposition of people to spay and neuter through all the little channels eventually you will always find it is based on greed we I mean, have found that to be very tough words and, and i'll challenge you a little bit because i know some what i think are quote-unquote responsible breeders but it doesn't sound like you oh
3: no i i know there are some uh, responsible okay. breeders oh yes yeah. but a responsible breeder he has we have recently passed a spay neuter ordinance here in Los Angeles. Right. Spay neuter is mandatory here now. And mm-hmm. I'm delighted to say not only is Los Angeles the first major city to pass such a, an ordinance, but it has already begun to spread across the country. They have it now in Dallas. They have it now in San Antonio. They are considering it in Chicago, in uh, even in New York City.
2: That's right. They and, are talked about it here.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. And um, we hope to have to see it spread all over the United States. Now, even though we have an, a mandatory spay neuter ordinance, a, a legitimate breeder has nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Nothing whatsoever to worry about. But these backyard breeders and these puppy mills, many of them, if not a majority, are not licensed, and many of them, if not a majority, do not pay their taxes. If we put them out of business, the country is better off. The legitimate breeder, not harmed whatsoever. Breeders have uh, licenses, and they pay their taxes. Many of these backyard breeders, they sell a dog, and there's something uh, terminally wrong with it, and someone goes back to uh, return the dog, and, oh, no, no thanks, you you've bought the dog. They are scam artists.
2: What do you think about the Obama family saying they're going to try and look for a uh, rescued Portuguese water dog?
3: Well, I'd much rather see them look for a, a dog in a shelter or with a rescue group than do what Joe Biden did, go to a breeder <laughs> and buy a, a purebred.
2: I think they did say they're going to try and get a rescue, so that yeah, maybe be... They,
3: they, they did say that. And, uh, of course, uh, if they're looking for a purebred, they may have to wait a while, but they'll find one sooner or later. I think the only place to get a dog is at a shelter.
2: Somehow I think if the President of the United States needs a rescued, pure-breed Portuguese water dog, one will probably appear somehow.
3: <laughs> well, if he he's made it known he wants one, I guarantee you they'll find one for
2: him. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, I guess to wrap up, Bob, you know what? One of the things I, I think your book really does, and again, I urge everyone really to pick it up again, that's it's called Priceless Memories by Bob Barker with Digby Deal, and it is by, I'm sorry, I'm looking for your publisher. Is that?
3: Uh, Hachette. Hachette, okay H-E-T-E.
2: They okay.
3: have divisions all over the United States. It's big And it's
2: coming out in April, right? The hardcover? It'll, out,
3: it'll be in the stores April 6th.
2: Okay, now, do you have a message for people other you know that that are like you that want to try and raise awareness about spay and neuter and animal cruelty? How do you get that message across without you know well, one people- thing
3: that I have not mentioned, but i now that you were dwelling on this uh, spay and neuter, which I'm all for, all of the profits, if there are any profits from this book, will go to the d j and t foundation
2: ah, okay,
3: even the advance that I received and then i I did an audio version of it. I was paid for that. And that goes. Everything goes to the DJ and T Foundation.
2: Fantastic. So then, if you buy your book, you'd be doing a good deed as well. So that a good deed and a good read. Good Bob, reason. how do you get the message across without sounding shrill or like a, a crazy person? I mean, that's one of the, about spay and neuter, about animal cruelty. I mean, that's one of the criticisms I hear, you know, not to single one particular group out, but that's one of the criticisms I hear that, you know, people start getting crazy and I turn off to them. But you seem to give it across in a non-threatening manner. What's your advice?
3: Well, I think that um, my advice, for example, in spay and neuter, is to uh, just get a few facts. You don't have to uh, go to school and take a course in spay-neuter, but just uh, read enough to know a little about spay-neuter. Learn that there are just too many cats and dogs being born. There's no chance of finding homes for them. And then it is only logical to present spay-neuter as the answer. That is the only answer. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who would like to have their dogs spayed or neutered, and they um, uh, can't afford it. Those people help make them aware of the low-cost or free spay-neuter clinics. These vouchers that we present to the uh, local uh, organization to uh, issue to, to needy people, they're low-cost or free. If you can pay $5, fine. Pay the $5. If you can pay 10 good. 50 fine. But if you can't pay anything, we still have them give them the voucher. We insist they give them the voucher and get the animals spayed or neutered. And uh, find a, a list of those organizations in your community, and then when someone says, well, I can't afford it, we'll say, here, this place to go. Just do it in a helpful way, and most, most people will cooperate. There are some who won't, but uh, they're rare.
2: So you might say the price is right.
3: The price is right. You sounded <laughs> up beautifully, Diane.
2: Now, just real quick, how would a a group avail themselves? Do you guys have a website for DJ&T or how do they get in touch? just
3: go on the website for DJ&T and Mm -hmm. it will explain exactly how you can get an application and you fill out the application as directed, send it in, and uh, then you probably will receive a telephone call from a representative of the uh, foundation and she will uh, interview you and I might add... Her name is uh, Nancy Burnett, and Mm -hmm. she is not only interviewing you, she is looking for ways that she can advise you and help you. She's an expert on all of the problems associated with uh, uh, spay-neuter clinics. And uh, we have a stack of mail from organizations that say she has just shown them the light. And so it's educational as well as uh, an inquiry. And then if the board of directors, uh, she, her notes are presented to the board of directors, and they will uh, decide to help you or or pass.
2: Can an individual do this, or you have to go through no. an agency?
3: You have to be a, a 501c3 organization. Okay.
2: okay, great. So, Bob, when are you going to come visit us?
3: In New York? Yeah. You're in New York, aren't you? Yes. No, I'm coming back there uh, for something that has really nothing to do with animals in a way, although I'm trying to sell priceless memories and that uh, is has something to do with animals but i'm coming back to new york april 9th and i'm going to be on the uh, today show on the first segment and on the last segment and i'm going to be on the weekend today show telling folks about priceless memories
2: well we'll be watching about the
3: rachel ray's show
2: And the Rachel Ray. So, okay. I
3: know absolutely nothing about cooking, but I'm going to to suggest that I just taste.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. Bob, thank you so much for visiting with us today on Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio.
3: I really enjoyed it. I, Thank you. I
2: really,
3: and I hope that you enjoyed the book.
2: I really do, and I really, I'm really, i going to tell everyone to read I really, really enjoy it. It is a love story on so many levels, and of course gets out the message for to be kind to animals in so many ways. Thanks.
3: Well, you summed it up for me. I, I wanted a happy book, and the fact that you've described it as a love story, it makes me even happier. And I, and I certainly wanted to try to, to persuade folks that these animals need our help
2: absolutely no thank you so much bob i appreciate it i thank you very much diane bye-bye thanks bye-bye and i'll do it for this episode of pets in the city i am your humble host diane west again proud new yorker and coming from new york city broadcasting live or at least podcasting live to you want to thank our producer mark winter for putting up with me and making me sound great I also wanted to thank our sponsors for keeping us on the air and wanted to thank you in advance for patronizing our sponsors because that keeps us on the air as well. I will talk to you next week about some really cool things coming up in the New York City area in March. And please write to me. I'm getting lonely. Diane at PetLifeRadio.com. Write to me about anything. Seems like I'm very shy, right? (laughs) No, I'm not. So just write to me and let's talk. And with that, I will talk to you soon. New York, the glitz, the
0: glamour, the exciting mutt the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City. With your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.